Welcome to the podcast of Leeds First Methodist Church. We are so glad you decided to tune in with us today. The following sermon was preached by Pastor Chris, and it is the fourth sermon in our church's So Long Sin series. If you would like to watch the entire worship service, you can do so by visiting our website at leadsfirst.org, and at the top of the page, go to Worship and click Online Worship. Good morning. It's Sunday morning. My name is Chris Stallings. It's my privilege to get to be pastor here at Leeds First Methodist Church. This month of July, we're looking at a series entitled So Long Sin. We're talking about how inevitably you're tempted, inevitably you've failed or missed expectations. It's true, the enemies are God, the enemies of God are working against you, it seems, at every turn. But it's not God's desire that you would fail. And it doesn't have to be your reality. And so we're looking at ways that we can embrace following Jesus and say, so long to sin. Our series, key verse comes from Romans 6, 13. It reads, Do not let any part of your body become an instrument of evil to serve sin. Instead, give yourselves completely to God. For you were dead, but now you have new life. So use your whole body as an instrument to do what is right for the glory of God. Today we're looking at so long sin, take your place as God's child. The kids play these games, would you rather? <laughs> so we're going to do a little would you rather today. Rather be in a place where you felt welcomed and loved, or would you rather be in a place where you felt unwelcomed and as an outsider? Well, duh, right? It's pretty easy to decide that. There was a time when I felt welcomed or surprisingly welcome in a place with strangers. It was when I started college and went to home football games. Anybody remember those days? <laughs> we would be in a row, maybe one or two of us knew each other, but the row behind us, in front of us, around us, we were strangers in a big school. And it wasn't unique to where I went, I think this was typical of many places. Whenever you experienced the joy of your team scoring a touchdown, you instantly had about 25 close friends that you were giving high fives to. There were consoling hugs whenever we would turn over the ball on an interception. Through it all, we were tight. We were friends among strangers. We were home even when we were unknown. But it was not so much on away games. They had where you can buy tickets as a student to go to the, the road games. And I bought a couple to go to one of our chief rivals. And the reception amongst friends or unknown people wasn't as friendly. 
I thought we'd get congratulations for having won the game, but that was not the case. Right? So much so that when we were walking from the stadium towards the parking lot, cars that passed by on the road decided to offer us some of their drink. If you get my drift, right? More like that, right? And I dare say there's times that's not unique to just that school or those fans. Many college football fans are not that welcoming. From that and other circumstance, if I had my druthers, do y'all know that? Is that just where I grew up? Would you rather your druthers? I would rather be in a place I felt welcomed and loved. Many of you have longed for that in your family. As a child, you may have experienced love and encouragement from your family, but others, and maybe you, did not experience that. You may have felt unloved or even resent your family of origin. Let me say, your desire to be loved is good. You deserve to be loved. And I'm sorry if that was not the case for you. And no, you're not alone. Many people in their family of origin have missed that love. Some even so much they are abandoned or orphaned. A 2021 report showed that the government involved or known about adoptions of orphan kids totaled over 54,000 kids in the United States. But the ones that didn't get adopted totaled over 113,000. And so we need that love. We deserve that love. In fact, a study in 2012 found that children who had affectionate mothers have a larger hippocampus. Any biology or anatomy experts, I remind you, I had to look this up when I read it. It's the part of the brain that deals with memory, learning capabilities, and response to the stress. And so children of mothers who were affectionate had larger hippocampus or had more capacity to learn memory and to deal with stress than those who were neglected. Well, similarly, you were created be loved by God. And the truth is you are 100% loved by God, so much so that he put everything on the line before you were even born, before you had breathed your first breath, before you had ever even decided if you would follow Jesus or not. The question is, do you believe that? The question is, do you realize what it means to be a child of God. Are you a child of God? And how do you know? And what does that mean? And so we're going to look to some passages of Scripture again today from the book of Romans in chapter 8. So if you got your Bible, begin turning to Romans chapter 8. Last Sunday when we looked at the first part of Romans 8, I talked about inheriting or taking on the Spirit's nature or God's Spirit within you. When you do that, it gives you a new way of thinking. And shared a, a kind of metaphor analogy to God giving you the answer sheet and saying, here's the answers to life, here's how you can live, just copy them down and you get full credit. 
But our temptation is to still look at the way the world does things and copy off the dummy of the class, right? To get the answers off the world who's flunk in the class instead of off of God's answer sheet. When our passage today that continues in Romans 8, Paul's writing it to show what it means to take on that nature of God's Spirit. How God gives us His Spirit and within that gives you the fullness He intended from the very beginning. For you and for all of creation. Let's read now. Romans 8, we'll begin reading in verse 12. I'm reading the New Living Translation or the NLT if you want to switch your app to that. The words will also be on the screens above the stage. Romans 8, verse 12. Therefore, dear brothers and sisters, you have no obligation to do what your sinful nature urges you to do. For if you live by its dictates, you will die. But if through the power of the Spirit you put to death the deeds of your sinful nature, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. Verse 15, so you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you receive God's Spirit when he adopted you as his own children. Now we can call him Abba, Father. For his Spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. And since we are his children... We are his heirs. In fact, together with Christ, we are heirs of God's glory. But if you are to share his glory, we must also share his suffering. Verse 18. Yet, what we suffer now is nothing, to, is nothing compared to the glory he will reveal to us later. For all creation is waiting eagerly for that future day when God will reveal who his children really are. Against his will, all creation was subjected to God's curse. But with eager hope, the creation looks forward to the day when it will join God's children in glorious freedom from death and decay. Verse 22. For now, for we know that all creation has been groaning in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. And we believers also groan, even though we have the Holy Spirit Within us, as a foretaste of the future glory, we long for our bodies to be released from sin and suffering. We too wait with eager hope that the day when God will give us our full rights as his adopted children, including the new bodies he has promised us. We were given this hope when we were saved. If we already have something, we don't need to hope for it. But if we look forward to something we don't yet have, we must wait patiently and confidently. This is the word of God for the people of God, and we say, well, this section of chapter 8 adds to the beginning of chapter 8 and actually substantiates much of the claims Paul is making even in the previous chapters. While everyone is created by God, everyone is created for God, everyone is created in the image of God, in this since not everyone is a child of God. Only those who are in Christ, as verse 1 stated, and only those who are in Christ inherit the Spirit's nature, as verse 11 
stated, but if those two are true, if you are in Christ, you've inherited the spiritual nature of God, you are adopted as a child of God. Verse 15 then becomes key in our understanding that as a child of God, you are more than a servant, although when you follow Jesus, you will take on his servant's heart. You are more than fearful, although God will give you a heart of reverence towards him. You are adopted a son. You call him father. N.T. Wright states in the New Interpreter's Bible commentary about this adoption as sons, that the non-gender specific alternatives like sons and daughters are out of the question in interpreting this. In other words, it's not just adoption as a child, it's adoption as the son or firstborn son. In other words, you inherit the whole goodness of God as would have been understood by those who were in the ancient Near East or Roman culture. The oldest son inherited it all. And you are adopted as sons, or in that sense, the one who inherits all of God's goodness. Let's look now at this passage in depth to see how when you say so long sin, by taking your place as God's child, transforms your life. If you've got your worship bulletin, I invite you to take it out or turn on your worship guide if you texted and downloaded that. place for you to take notes and hope that these will be helpful as you apply it to your life. Number one, God's child adopted and certified. Adopted and certified. Romans 8, 16 says, For his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. I may have asked this a few weeks ago. If I did, I'm going to ask it again. Do any of y'all like mowing grass? Feels like that's what we do in these days, right? Mowing the grass, mowing the grass. Well, I don't know if I love mowing grass. It's okay. But if you mow grass and get any satisfaction, there's got to be some limits, right? Can't be too hot, which is hard these days. Can't be too big a yard or too small a mower, you know? I mean, like it can take you all day. And then for me, one of the keys to satisfaction is having it be tall enough that you can tell where you've been, right? Like if you mow this dirt patch, you can't even tell you're being, it's the most frustrating. But if it's tall and you cut off that top inch and a half or, you know, whatever, <coughs> excuse me, you can tell where you've been and it's lovely if it's not too hot or too big. All right, here's another question. Let me get this right. Have you ever been in a relationship where you didn't know where you stood? It, like a friendship or dating relationship where you're a little bit uncertain? Like sometimes they showed up when you made plans. Sometimes they didn't. Sometimes they would reply to your texts. Sometimes they would ghost you, right? Well, God says, I don't want that kind of relationship for any of you. I want you to know where you stand with me. Like a good mower on a tall yard of grass. When the Spirit's there, you can tell when it's been. Does that make sense, right? So when God's Spirit's moving in you, you look and say, I see it, I feel it, I know it in my heart. 
There was a time when I was growing up, when I, my parents took me to the church. Before I was a Christian, I sometimes tried to be a Christian by doing better. Anybody ever tried this? You can raise your hand or not, but you're like, oh, I'll try to do better. I'll try to give up cussing or I'll try to give up fighting or try to give up, you know, whatever it was that you were told you'd be doing wrong. It's like, I'll try to do better. And he just couldn't. And in my life, I shortly give up on that because it was what I was trying to do. But when I put my faith in Jesus and what he did when I was 30 years old, I could tell it. To tell when he had been there in my heart. The term affirm, if you look back to this passage in verse 16, affirm, or some of your translation may say testifies, is from the Greek New Testament word samartero or samartereo. And it means to provide confirming evidence by which testimony is delivered from our low and nidia lexicon. In other words, there's a proof that you're adopted, and it's God's Spirit living in you. If you go through the adoption steps or foster steps, there's some things that you got to do, and then they actually place the child with the, the family. And there's a kind of waiting period that it's sort of there, but not. And then, I understand in Alabama, it's three months. They come in and say, yep, it's going good, and they give you a certificate that says it's certified. It's legal. It's forever. Some of you wish you'd had that opportunity with your own kids, but let's not go there. John Wesley, who founded the Methodist movement, wrote in his journal describing his own salvation experience. He says, I felt my heart strangely warmed. I felt I did trust in Christ, Christ alone for salvation. In an assurance, that's like affirming or testifying, was given me that he had taken away my sins, even mine, and saved me from the law of sin and death. This week I had the privilege of talking with one of our students that was professed faith through our mega sports camp. He shared, when I prayed that prayer that you gave us to pray to put our faith in Jesus, I felt peace. From one of your young students, he said, I just felt it whenever I prayed it. And that's the assurance, the affirmation, or the testifying that God gives you. Paul goes on to say in Romans 10, if you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him through from the dead, you will be saved, adopted, and certified. You don't have to wonder. You'll know if you're a child of God. Number two. That's good stuff, y'all. Number two. God's child through the thick, comma. God's child through the thick. Romans 8, verse 17, the first part says, And since we are his children, we are his heirs. In fact, together with Christ, we are heirs of God's glory. The term heirs from the New Testament Greek is the word kironomos. Kironomos. And it means one who receives something as a gift, who receives and comes into possession of it. 
It's a gift that you receive simply because you are a child, not unlike an inheritance. You don't do anything to be born into the family. You just get it. Some of you are like, whoo, I hope I get it, (laughs) right? Some of you are wondering if there's going to be any fortune left. Your parents are off anyway. So you might ask, to what fortune am I an heir? You're an heir to the very presence of God. In this life, God's presence in you through His Spirit affirming that. In every blessing and even in every trial. And you get the ultimate assurance of the blessing of presence in the very presence of God Almighty for eternity. It's a blessing that's shared with our fellow heir, Jesus, in his resurrection and his glorification. It's the ultimate perfection of you personally and all of creation where evil and sin is separated and not presence. Only presence of perfection with God. That's journeying through the thick. Number three. God's child through the thick and the thin. God's child through the thick and thin. Have y'all heard this saying, thick and thin? I'm with you through thick and thin. I'd heard it, but I didn't know where it came from. Turns out I don't think I understood it all along. It comes from a kind of Middle England, like, you know, Middle Ages in England, a saying Or when you're journeying with somebody through the forest, I'm with you through the thicket or where there's a bunch of brush grown in and it's hard journeying and through the thin where it's opened up and we just walk on through. And so we're going to commit to go through this together through thicket or thick and thin. If I messed up the order, what that was originally meaning, the key thing is God is traveling with you through the difficult times in the blessing. And verse 17 has this causational structure that if we will suffer as Christ has suffered, we will receive the glory as Christ has received the glory. If we are heirs or children of God or children of God, we must also be prepared to endure the suffering as Christ suffered. Jesus told his disciples in Matthew 16, If any of you wants to be my follower, you must, you must, you must give up your way and take up your cross and follow me. That's what I meant by the thin. Or, you know, I'm thinking thin is like whenever you don't have much to eat. We're getting kind of thin here, right? One of the main characteristics of fellowship within the church is joining together to withstand the suffering in life. In our loss of a friend or family member to death, we grieve together. In our temptation to sin or even lose faith, we stand accountable together. Building up each other to the fullness of faith, we serve together. You see, as a member of the church, being a member is only partially for your benefit, although it does have 
benefits, but your membership is also, and if you follow the model of Jesus, more so for the benefit of others. Some of you are like, huh, it's not just for me. I don't just go to church when I feel like it. Well, you can. There are people that do that. But if you're following Jesus, you're coming to church more so for what you're offering to God and what you're offering as a witness to other people than what you specifically get. Now, you do get something out of it. But followers of Jesus, mature child of God, come to worship more to glorify God and as a witness to others than for yourself. You're part of a grow group to grow closer to God and to help others grow than for yourself. You serve on a team to build up the church and to help others more than for yourself. You reach out to illustrate God's love and invite people to faith in Jesus in his church more so for the benefit of others than for yourself. But in doing these things through thick and thin, you are being made into a fully devoted follower of Jesus. And oh, oh, what a blessing it is. God's child through the thick and the thin. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much for the blessing of being identified and invited to be and claiming the title, child of God. God, I pray that each one here who can hear my voice online and in person has that assurance, or if they don't, they can have it right now, but just repenting of their sin. Saying as best I know how, I'm going to follow you, Jesus. God, I pray that you give that peace over every life in the sound of my voice right now. And God, with that assurance as child of God, you give each of us the, the joy of the assurance of a, a long-term plan of eternity with you, perfected, glorified in your presence. No more pain, no more suffering, no more temptation even. God, in the midst of this life, where there is still times of suffering, God, make your presence known and link us together as people and fellow siblings, all inheriting your glory. To endure. Survive even thrive as fully loved children of God. It's in your holy and precious name, Jesus, I pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to our podcast. We would love for you to visit us in person at 8.45 a.m. for modern worship or at 11 a.m. for traditional worship. If you would like to plan a visit, simply text the word CONNECT to the number 205-772-4906 and you'll be sent a link to get you started. Thanks again, and God bless.